Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It's your second favorite host of this show, Jesse. Um, happy Tuesday. Sorry I didn't get an episode out last week. Um, I had a pretty busy week. I had, like, three job interviews, and Monday was one of them, and I was awfully busy, and I didn't get recorded Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. And by Thursday, when I felt like recording, uh, it was almost too late, and so I just decided I'll put it off. And I'll just give it a whirl this week. Um, I ended up getting a job. That's pretty rad. So, just thought I'd say that. Um, this week, I'm going to be talking about the Batmans. Um, and, and by that, I mean the the series of Batman movies that were released from 1989 to 1997. Namely, Batman. Batman Returns. Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of time to, to watch a lot of Batman movies. Um, the four of these make up like eight hours of movies, and I'm currently still technically unemployed, so I've had a lot of time to just sit and watch Batman movies. Um, I've been really enjoying them, even like the animated ones based off of like graphic novels and stuff. I Right now, my favorite genre is Batman, so... I thought it was cool to, to talk about these, especially as you look at them as an entire body of work instead of just four individual films. Um, let's give you a brief history of, of how these movies kind of come together. Um, the first two, Batman and Batman Returns, were released and directed and produced by Tim Burton. He made those movies, and it, and it shows. like There's a certain like visual style to it that clearly comes from tim burton and his you know whole weird thing um like you know what i mean there's you know a tim burton movie when you see it it just it looks like tim burton uh the other two came later um let's let's get the actual years pulled up batman and batman returns uh were released in respectively um batman and batman returns came out in 1989 and 1992 respectively uh batman forever was 1995 and batman and robin was 1997 so there's kind of this gap between batman returns and batman forever where tim burton stopped directing the movies uh at that point directing that responsibility was handed over to joe schumacher who um he, you know, he, he did his job, and, and there's a certain level to where you can tell, like, they don't have the full Tim Burton look to them, but uh, I think the visual style is still there. Tim Burton still produced Batman Forever, but did not produce the last and final piece uh, of, of work here, Batman and Robin. Um, so there's, I think, the the big question to ask when you're looking at these all together is, are, are these sequels? I started asking myself that. I'd, I'd watched three of those movies this week, and and I started thinking, wait, are these are these all sequels? Are these all existing in the same world here? Um, and I'm going to present the case for for either one, yes and no. Um, on on an obvious side, go, coming into these movies, uh, I thought that they all kind of stood by themselves. I thought Batman and Batman Returns. You know, you've got the Michael Keaton Batman. You've got the Val Kilmer Batman, and you've got the 
George Clooney Batman. They're all three different versions of the same character. You know, the same way that we're still used to seeing it today between like Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and Rob Pattinson. We don't think that those are all the same version of the, the character of Batman. Like, obviously, they're all different takes on the same intellectual property. Um, so, obviously, you have two directors for four movies and three guys playing Batman. Clearly, or, you know, at least on the surface, it looks like these are all different versions of the character. They're all different. Um, but there's some also some characters that line up through all four of these films that are played by the same characters, right? Um, in all four movies, the character of Alfred and the character of Commissioner Gordon are played by the same dudes the whole time. If Alfred doesn't change, then all of a sudden, hmm, maybe these are the same one. Uh, between Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, Chris O'Connell plays Dick Grayson. He plays Robin. So clearly, there's some characters that are overlapping between these movies that kind of tie them together. Um, even jumping between the directors in in Batman Forever, there's a comment made to Batman that if a girl wanted to get his attention, what did they need? Did they have to have skin-tight vinyl and a whip, which is a reference to Catwoman from Batman Returns? Um I personally think that after looking at these together, that they are all sequels. Um, it's kind of weird, you know, you get three guys to play Batman, and a couple of the other characters remain consistent with the actors, and that's a little weird, but, like, you don't... We, we'd overlook it in other circumstances. Uh, in, in the Harry Potter franchise, Michael Gambon did not always play Dumbledore. Um, he, he preceded the, the original Dumbledore after he had passed away. But we don't look at those movies and think, oh, because the guy who plays Dumbledore is different, these are different versions of Harry Potter. No, they're all they're all sequels to each other. There's just been, you know, a change in, in the acting, and that's fine. You know, the, everything else still stays the same. Um, so I, I personally think that these are all kind of sequels to one another, and they should kind of be uh, respected and, and viewed that way. Um, now, the thing with a sequel is that they generally tell the same story, or you're trying to tell uh, a bigger story from 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 sequel to sequel. You know, you think like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, how there's a bigger story happening, but you can't do it all in one movie, so you so you have sequels, right? Um, that's not how these work. Uh, they are sequels because they made money, and they said we would like to make more money, so we will make another one, and they just kind of kept doing that. Um, there's no bigger story. Um, really, the only thing that kind of carries over between them is a couple of the actors. That's the only thing that tie them together as like a unified body of work. Which, again, can either say that they are sequels or are not. Um, are these movies any good? I think that's ultimately the question that, that gets asked. I, I've read a lot of Letterboxd reviews regarding all of these movies. And Letterboxd reviews are just like people. They're not professional film critics. Um, you look at professional film critics and their reviews of these movies, and and generally it goes, the first two are pretty good. Batman and Batman Returns, those are pretty good movies. They get pretty good scores. Um, Batman Forever, eh, pretty middle of the road, just kind of average. And then Batman and Robin gets like a real stinker of a score, real bad. Nobody likes that movie. No one thinks this is like a great, well-made film. Um I personally don't think any of them are very good. Um, I don't think there's a single one of these that I rated higher than three stars on Letterboxd. 
I think they all got two and a half stars and lower. Um, I, I don't think these are fantastic, but I think they're important to watch and they're entertaining to watch. And, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Um, for one thing, the most respectable part of these movies is that they commit. I mean, they commit hard. Um, it is not like the current version of Marvel movies as we see them today. Um, I think all of those are pretty bland. I'm not sure I've ever like just outright said it on the podcast, but I'm, I am not a Marvel movies guy. I think that they are pretty much the same one after the other. There's nothing overly creative from, from one story to the next. Uh, I've not seen the Eternals, so I can't speak to it personally, but there was a lot of hope from, from like movie people that Chloe Zhao would be able to bring something kind of fresh and new to Marvel by directing the Eternals. And, and by a lot of the critical reviews that I've seen, they were like, yeah, no, like the machine is too big. She couldn't bring enough creative voice to, to overpower, you know, the, the Disney Marvel machine. And, and I think that's true. And if you're a big Marvel movie fan, like I'm not trying to say that to hurt your feelings or to make you feel like you, you like bad movies, but I think if you look at them as like an entire body of the work, they're all the same. And yeah, they're all leading up to the same thing. They all take place in the same universe and what have you. And like, it's, it's a marvel, pardon the pun, but it's, it's amazing what they managed to do with all these movies pointing together towards one big ultimate story. That's amazing. But you kind of sacrifice some things. Like there's a lack of creativity and like there's no, not many of those movies have a very distinct voice. Um, a couple of them do, but I think all in all, they are all pretty well the same. They feel the same. They, they look the same. It's pretty uninspiring, I think. And, and not necessarily in a bad way, but they're, they're a little uninspiring. These movies, on the other hand, boy, they... They hard launch into all kinds of stuff. They commit, they go big, they don't compromise. And and I think they need to be respected for that because that is not an easy thing to do. When you think about it, movies are an industry. That is ultimately what they are. Um, the same way that other companies make, you know, physical objects, you know, like we make, you know, I don't, I don't know why I'm thinking of something. You know, Apple makes iPhones, they make technology, and people buy them, right? That is the product that they sell. Um, movies work the same way. They are trying to get people to pay to watch the movies, and that is how they make their money. Now, and, and so in some way, it is a product. It is something that has to be manufactured and produced like any other product. But at the same time, it is art. And so movies that are mass-produced get noticed that they are mass-produced, and they're like, wait, we've, we've already seen this before. This is not very good, Right? And, and movies that are artistic get praised for being really good. And they, they're not mass-produced. They feel unique and original. And, and there's like this constant battle between those two. If you're, if you're a big movie studio, you want to make something that is different and unique and exceptional, but still is a product that people are willing to go out and, and pay their money to see. Um, and that's like the constant battle that you have as like a major studio, like Warner Brothers, who owns the rights to Batman. Um, these movies are creative. I will give them that. They are, they hard launch all of their ideas. They, I mean, they are unique. Um, and, and that is super respectable because it would be so easy to, to play it safe or to, you know, let's 
you know, just make sure that people see them. They don't have to be that good or they don't have to be super creative. We'll just, you know, play it right down the middle and hope for the best. No, these movies, they take creative swings and they swing hard. Um, the only problem with that is that I think that they commit to the wrong things. Uh, that's I think that's just simply the way to put it. Is that ultimately, they are creative and they swing hard, but man, they, they kind of strike out a little bit. Um, they are always entertaining, and I'll give them that. You never know exactly what's going to happen next, because they are kind of a raucous, wild time, and they are kind of all over the place, which isn't necessarily bad. Um, but they, they are a little all over the place. Um, I think the real problem with these is that they try to be campy and goofy like a comic book, and they try to be a little silly and funny, but they also try to be a little gritty. And in that sense, they do play it pretty straight down the middle. Straight, you know, they play it pretty safe between being too gritty and too silly. They, they try to do both. And, and those two things just don't mix. They don't come together the way that people want them to. Um, for instance, like in the first movie, the very first one, Batman, starring Michael Keaton and uh, Jack Nicholson, plays the Joker. Um, the Joker does some pretty wild, wacky stuff. It's kind of campy and silly and weird, but he also like swears and kills people. And like they try to be graphic and, and gritty and kind of like realistic. But there's also like a whole point where there's a parade and the Joker's just dancing to a Prince song. Like it just, the two things don't necessarily coexist together. It, it doesn't work. Like you look at the second one and they double down even more on like the, the graphic style. You take Batman Returns and it's, it's very like Tim Burton graphically and visually. And it's, they commit to it like. Danny DeVito looks horrifying, like he's creepy and weird and gross, and they also try to be, like, silly and funny. Like, he's also got his his rubber ducky car and an army of penguins with fireworks strapped onto their backs. Like, it is campy and weird, and then it tries to be, like, serious and gritty and gross. And and the two just, they, they never come together. Um, once Tim Burton stopped directing the movies, you get to the, the Joe Schumacher films those two they they take a less gritty tone but still a fairly gritty tone like you know two-faced played by tommy lee jones he runs around killing people like no bones about it no like hiding it like he is walking around with guns shooting people and his his cronies are running around shooting people and they've got all these piercings like in, in their lips their nose their eye, eyebrows i mean they're they're like gritty but they're also like he's also wearing like a purple suit and like it's all over the place like they're they are tonally really inconsistent which isn't bad uh, well it is bad tonally inconsistent is bad but it's creative and they're taking a full swing and they really like commit to that and that's in a, in a way that makes it fun a movie that plays it safe and that doesn't do anything a little weird or exceptional or different just gets completely forgotten and these movies haven't been completely forgotten. So they're interesting. I mean, they're not they're not good. They're not great. But but man, they're entertaining. They're fun. I think if you like superhero movies in general, then I think you ought to take the time to at least watch one of them. If you can, watch all of them. Because really that's that's where superhero movies 
today come from? Um, I grew up on this Batman movie called Batman from like the 1950s, and it's starring Adam West. It's like based on the TV show that used to air. Um, and you know what? It is all camp. It is. There's nothing serious about it. Like everyone's dressed up in the in the wacky in the wacky costumes. There's no like gritty dark story. Like it's it's cute. It's family friendly. It's like a comic book come to life. It's it's not taking itself too seriously. It it's fun. It's it's a silly fun movie, and it's it's actually pretty good, especially compared to some of these movies I'm talking about today. But when you compare that to Batman, it's like, man, Batman is gritty, it's dark, it's realistic, and, and I'm sure in 1819, oh, good grief, I'm sure in 1989, people thought, wow, this is, this is the kind of Batman movie we've really been waiting for, really, you know, dark and gritty, and people were really excited about it, because the other one was so campy before it, and, and that's the same way that people talk about, like, especially the way that people talked about the Dark Knight trilogy, like, you, you get Batman Begins, and especially the Dark Knight, people are like, ah, oh, yes, like a real gritty, honest take on Batman compared to the really campy version we had back in the 90s, like, it's, it's all a progression if you look at them from, like, this bigger picture, um, if, if you like superhero movies, then, like, take the time to watch them, because those movies are, are eventually what shaped superhero movies now, and you're like, yeah, those are all Batman. They're all Warner Brothers. Like, Marvel never did that. Not true, my man. Not true at all. Um, earlier this year, I'm pretty sure I watched Daredevil on an airplane once. And I, I don't know why I decided to watch Daredevil. I just thought, you know what? I've never seen that movie. That should be that should be a time. I'm telling you, those like early Marvel movies, those like pre-Kevin Feige Marvel movies, Daredevil, Elektra, even Spider-Man, like, they're campy, they're weird, they're not very good, but what, what, what they do is they commit, like, they commit to the all-leather suits and, like, the the kind of gritty take, whatever it is that they're doing, they commit hard to it. If they're committing to, you know, like, grunge rock and motorcycles, like, man, they, they do it hard and they just go for it, um, even though it may not be very good. Like, yeah, it's not as good as Iron Man from 2008. But it commits to something unique, and it it's it's interesting. Like if you see them all as a progression, it's like it's like any other kind of history. It's like we learn from where we come from, and and even today, the Batman from from earlier this year gets talked about as an even grittier remake from even the Nolan films, and and so there's like this constant progression that we get with our with our movies and our superhero movies in particular because they've really become their own genre so they've been done and redone and reshaped multiple times over the past you know 14 years um it's pretty cool um like i said none of these are like particularly great but they're entertaining and they're fun and you know they're not that bad they're pretty they're a good time and and i don't think you'd regret watching them so all of them are on hbo max that is the thing like hbo max owns warner brothers they have a deal with warner brothers something like that but like there's a ton of batman content on there so check those movies out check one of them out like do do yourself a favor just check one of them out and try it like may not be super special but like i said they're entertaining 
and if anything, if you dislike them, they'll at least make you appreciate the superhero movies that you do like. So that's my take. That's Those are the movies I wanted to talk about this week. I don't really know why, but I guess it's because I watched three of them this week and kind of got thinking about the bigger picture. So that's that's my review. If you want to check out like my my thoughts more in depth, like specific to the movies themselves instead of like the whole body of work, uh, check me out on Letterboxd. It's J underscore Arthur 20. I would love to to see more of my friends on Letterboxd. Um, let's see. The other day, last Monday, when I should have recorded a podcast, um, I was driving to a job interview like an hour away, and I started thinking about story structures, you know, like a normal person does. Um, I was thinking about what makes you dislike a movie, like what makes a, an ending to a story dissatisfying. Um because that happens like fairly frequently. You'll see a movie and you go, man, that ending kind of stunk. And, and when an ending's bad, it kind of ruins the whole movie for you to a certain degree, right? And, and I was thinking about a certain factor of storytelling that I really dislike. And I was trying to figure out why I dislike it. Like, what is it exactly that bothers me? Um, and for this, I'm, I'm going to think of like two examples pretty strongly. I'm thinking of Encanto and Jungle Cruise. They just both happen to be recent uh, Disney movies. But the problem that I have, the problem that I'm trying to think through is when a story sacrifices something, a character in the story sacrifices either their life or some big, important part of their life for the good of those around them. You know, it's it's like a sacrificial story. Um, I, I hate it when a character does that and then... Like ten minutes later, all of a sudden they the thing they sacrificed they get it back and everyone lives happily ever after. Hi, bye, congrats. You know that annoys me to no end. Um, and in Kanto, it was the the family's powers. Right, they lose their powers, and that, and and because of that, they they learn important lessons about dealing with self trauma and like learning to be an, an individual, a well-rounded individual, and a good person despite having no abilities. And they, they learned a valuable lesson, and everything looked like it was going to turn out great. And I was like, wow, like that's really awesome that they're just telling the story about acceptance and learning to be a, a better person just based on your character, not you know this ability you have. And then, like, surprise, everyone gets their powers back. And it's like, doggone it. Like, why would you do that? In, in Jungle Cruise, I'm thinking of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character who sacrifices his life so that Emily Blunt's character can, like, escape and get away, and, like, it saves everyone. But then about three minutes later, he comes back to life. And I'm like, why? Why do, car- why do stories do this? Like, it, it defeats the purpose of the sacrifice for the sacrifice to just come right back, right? I started trying to figure out why does that bother me so much? Like, what's the big idea? Um, and really, that storyline... That, that that sacrifice thing, that is like a messianic story, right? It's it's like a, a symbol of Jesus, you know? The, the guy sacrifices his life for everyone that they can keep on living. And that's like, that's the idea, you know? He, he sacrifices himself. And in the Jesus story, three days later, he raises from the dead. Um, and for a second there, I realized, oh, it's a messianic story. Oh yeah, Jesus came, you know, he was resurrected, he came back from the dead. Wait, do I dislike the Jesus story? 
and it like it hit me. I was like, oh no, that's that would be kind of dumb. Like all of a sudden, I've been ragging on all these movies for for doing this thing that annoys me, and it's like the story of Jesus. And I started thinking about it, like, oh no, 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 no. Am I a bad person for you know disliking the story of Jesus? And and I kind of came to my senses, and it kind of struck me again. Wait a second. There's a difference between those two stories. If you take like Dwayne the Rock Johnson's um, sacrifice in Jungle Cruise and compare it to obviously the sacrifice of Jesus, 